I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Julie McCarthy, a.k.a. Jewels, grandmother to Violet, Richard, Fred, five small dogs and one cat, and mom to Catherine, Joanne, and Carrie Ryan. Welcome to Jewels Says. If you'd like to tell or ask me anything, email me at jewels as in jewelry, J-E-W-E-L-S, says. I would love to hear from you. I did get some email this week, which is very exciting. Ooh. The U.S. land border reopened to Canadian visitors this week, which is exciting, just in time for Black Friday. So hopefully our American retailers will be happy to welcome Canadians back. Canadians were allowed to fly to the U.S. with COVID-19 protocols, but not drive there for leisure purposes during the pandemic. The land border opening is especially exciting news for people who live in border towns such as Sarnia, Ontario, and its U.S. sister city, Port Huron, Michigan. When I moved to Sarnia in 1976, we routinely drove over the Blue Water Bridge to Port Huron to shop, go out for dinner, drinks. It was so easy. You didn't even need a passport back then. The drinking age was 18 in Ontario at the time, but 21 in Michigan— so the Sarnia drinkeries enjoyed the patronage of a lot of American youth. But the restaurants, bars, products, and shopping are all different as soon as you cross the border, and we had the best of both worlds. Booze was cheap and often free-poured in the Port Huron bars. Prices were cheaper than in Sarnia. You still had to go through customs, but it was somehow freer. Yeah, it was more relaxed. The customs officers seemed more concerned about getting the taxes and import duty than security threats. My mother, Dorothy, told me about one night when she and my father, Ted, were on their way home from dinner in Port Huron with another couple. When Ted pulled up to the customs booth, Dorothy jumped out of the car and ran around it, calling, Frisk me, frisk me, to the customs officer. Everyone had a good laugh and off they went. I don't think that little prank would go over today, but... The border is open again. We do need to be vaxxed to go over and come back, but Canadians also need to have a negative COVID test to come back, even if they're vaxxed, which is a pain because that costs over $200 here. So anyway, whatever. I don't make the rules. 
And as my dad would say, You're lord and master of nothing. That's fine. So yeah, I'm sure all those brilliant decision makers know a lot more than old jewels. I want to talk about children. People sometimes ask my advice. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I think because my own children were well-behaved, they used to ask me, and nobody gets a rule book, so you just kind of turn to friends and mums and grandmothers, and, and then you have to sort out what you think makes sense and what doesn't. A lot of us don't necessarily blindly raise our children the way our parents raised us, so it's something that people give a lot of thought. And a lot of people say they don't like children, and I have to admit I sometimes don't like them that much either. I mean, it's not their fault. It's because a lot of them are just allowed to run wild, scream, hit. I'm not talking about children with special needs or developmental challenges. I'm talking about the average child who hasn't been actively taught acceptable behavior. I've talked to parents who are surprised when their sweet baby starts acting out, and they're often at a loss as to what to do. They don't want to damage their child's self-esteem or psyche, and parenting standards are changing all the time, so I get it. I get the confusion. Then the pandemic hit and just made parenting so much harder. I truly feel for parents who've had to juggle working with children not going to school and reduced health care and non-existent child care resources. High-quality child care is an essential service, but it's not valued as such by decision makers. And, you know, the grandparents might not be retired, or they might not be well enough to look after small children. It takes a lot of energy. Or maybe you live far away from your parents, like my children do. Anyway, it's not easy, is basically my point. And looking after small children can be overwhelming and exhausting. No matter what, though, there will always be tough days, but peace in your home lightens those tough days in the long run, so it's worth investing the time and energy to teach your baby some basic behavioral boundaries. Yes, I said baby. You might think expecting a baby who's just learning to crawl to learn boundaries is unrealistic, unfair, or it might cramp their personality, but if you love your child... You have a responsibility to make sure they're not the kind of person nobody wants to be around. Humans are social. If people can't stand being around your child, that's not good. Obviously, I'm no expert, but people ask for my advice. So, for what it's worth, I'm going to talk about that a bit. I never had to childproof my home. I did not put breakables out of reach, and I could take my children anywhere with confidence— I knew they would not tear around and break anything. I have one friend who used to lovingly threaten, well, more jokingly threaten, his children with Julie's baby boot camp. And I I just laugh at that. But I mean, it's not really a boot camp. I'm not a drill sergeant, although my children have referred to my tone as the sergeant's voice. Come on, there's nothing wrong with a firm tone. Dogs and very young children understand tone, and it's way better than shouting. Tone is important. Calm, firm, but kind. I have to admit, and I'm not proud of it, sometimes my tone was definitely less than kind. I've apologized to my children so many times, laid awake at night vowing to do better the next day, but 
I really tried to do the right thing. And I admit my mistakes, and I hope that people can maybe learn from my mistakes. What some people don't realize is that babies can learn not to touch things as soon as they're starting to crawl. I think you disrespect your baby if you think they can't. The key is consistency and distraction. Always have a toy or book or something safe that the baby likes nearby, even if it's just you. If baby goes to reach for an electrical outlet, firmly say no, and my my tone is no. Then immediately distract with something they like. The distraction is important. They do have a pretty short attention span at that age and a somewhat dubious grasp of object permanence, so it's not that difficult to say no as long as you just distract them. You just say, no, oh, but look at this. This is a shiny new thing. They'll no doubt retry, probably cry, but you just keep doing it every time. Yeah, it takes a lot of patience and effort. When mine were small, people used to recommend slapping their hands, but I think the immediate distraction is better, and I just don't like the idea of slapping. And, you know, you're, you're always going to have people telling you what you should and shouldn't do, and it can be overwhelming because sometimes you just want to tear your hair out and just go, shut up, I'm going to do it my way. And I, and I understand that too. So take or leave anything I have to say because, again, I'm no expert. I'm just speaking from experience. But when they're just starting to crawl, it's also very simple to just scoop them up and take them into another room or just sit them on your lap. So the distraction is important. I went on a trip with my mom and Catherine before Joanne was born. I was barely expecting Joanne. I didn't even know. And Catherine was not yet three. And we were delayed in the airport. It turned out to be 24 hours, but we went and stayed with friends that night. But we were delayed in that airport. You know, it will say, oh, we're going to be another hour. We're going to be another hour. That went on for about 12 hours. Believe it or not, I was the only parent who had a bag of toys and books for Catherine to play with. So all these little kids who were also on various flights, I sat on the floor with all of them, and we all played with the toys. But I mean, I just don't understand why you would take a trip like that without any way of entertaining your small child. Bring some toys or books. And yeah, we'd sometimes fly to Ireland I would be entertaining children the whole trip. They didn't necessarily fall asleep, or they might fall asleep in shifts. They need that attention, and that really is the main thing. Of course, they're going to cry if they're not getting any attention. So even if you're just saying no, distract them with something fun. The nice thing is, if you do this consistently, by the time they're walking, they'll know to look at you. They won't necessarily think of the no as, uh negative thing because no is always followed up with something else fun and they'll know to look at you as they reach for something and understand when you say no then now a lot of people are going to say easy for you julie you had girls boys are not so easy okay i admit boys may very well generally have greater object curiosity i say generally because we're all different and gender may or may not play a role on any individual But I would counter that with, how dare you disrespect baby boys by insinuating that they are less capable of learning than girls? How dare you? 
It might take more effort, more persistence. But should we really enable undesirable behavior at six months with the boys will be boys excuse? I should hope not. I had friends who said they were just too tired. Fine. Maybe on those days you put things out of reach, but I can tell you from experience that it's really relaxing in the long run to not have to SWAT team every location you bring your child to, so it's well worth the effort. Learning that everything, everywhere is not for them is just the beginning, though. How about running around someone's house like a mad banshee, jumping on furniture? I've met plenty of children whose parents believe this is no problem. Oh, they're little. That's what little ones do. No, it isn't. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes jumping on furniture is fine. If the child has been specifically told that this is a room where jumping is safe and allowed. But some children don't even look at their parent for approval. They just head over and jump, run around the house, knock things over. Or the parent comes into the house and clears everything out of the way in your home so that their child won't damage anything. Listen, I'd rather not have to tell visiting children not to jump on my couch, but I will do it if the parents won't. I just smile at them and say, we don't jump on the furniture in my house. It actually has more impact if someone other than the parent says it. And some parents have said, thank you, I'm just so tired. I don't recall any child continuing to jump on my couch after that. They might resume because they forget after a while, but that's understandable. I never yell, though. Always remain calm, firm, always consistent. Okay, you will yell once in a while because you're human and you're exhausted and it's hard. But shouting can't be the norm. Running in the house is another one. Yes, children have great physical energy. Yes, they need to burn off steam. That's what a playroom or the outdoors are for. If you're lucky enough to have a kitchen that's big enough for an island or a table... Great. Run in circles around that. Make sure it's a safe place. Try to make sure they get enough outdoor play. But tantrums, kicking off, or as some people call it, the terrible twos. Catherine told me that a therapist, I think it might have been Pam, told her that children need to go through a tantrum stage for their psychological development. I have never heard of that. Even if that's the case for the peace of the household, And for the child, too. Isn't it nicer if that stage is as short-lived as possible? I have been shocked to see five- and six-year-olds fully kick off if they didn't get their own way. I don't think they're happy if they're acting like this. But children are not stupid. They do what works for them. If a tantrum results in them getting what they want, they have been taught to manipulate with tantrums. And I do think... Obviously, there's a difference between genuine emotional frustration and manipulation. One of my friends recently expressed concern about her two-year-old grandson because he's biting. Biting. She described it. He screams, kicks, flails, then bites. I don't know if she feels comfortable making suggestions to her daughter, but I suggest nipping it at the screaming stage. Screaming is not acceptable, never mind kicking and biting. As soon as he starts to scream, tell him firmly that no one wants to listen to that, pick him up, and put him in his room. Assuming his room is safe and he won't hurt himself, close the door. 
tell him kindly and firmly that he can come out to play or do whatever you're doing when he's calmed down. By all means, tell him you understand that he's angry. Offer comfort if he'll take it, but usually at that point, they won't take the comfort. So just let him rant on his own and come out or accept comfort when he's ready. It's hard to do. But as long as that bad behavior doesn't get the attention or the result that he wants, he will eventually learn to stop. It takes time for them to develop emotional maturity and self-control, and it's okay to be angry, but you can't scream and hurt people. When Catherine was maybe seven or eight, a little girl bit her, this was at a birthday party, and left a mark through a puffy coat. Do you want your child to be that kid? And if that's your kid at seven or eight, God love you when they're 16. Catherine has said that Violet has never had tantrums. And I don't recall Catherine or Carrie having them either, although Carrie did rehearse crying dramatically in the mirror. (laughs) It was actually really funny to watch. But Joanne used to have tantrums and sometimes try to hit me. A couple of times, I had to drop whatever we were doing and just leave. I had to push her into her car seat as she arched her back with furious resistance. One day, we had gone to a children's store that had a ball pit in it. I told Catherine and Joanne they could play in the balls. They didn't like playing with balls, but they loved playing in balls. They had to come out with no argument when I told them to. Carrie was a baby on my lap, so Joanne would have been two. I gave them the five-minute warning, then one minute, then, okay, time to come out. Catherine exited the ball pit, and Joanne backed into it deeper. Joanne, I've asked you to come out. Please come out now, or you won't be allowed to play in the balls next time. She smiled. She backed up as far as she could. Joanne, I'm going to count to three. If you don't come out on the count of three, I am going to come in and get you. Of course I had to get her. I carried her out of the mall, under my arm like a football, crying and flailing, and pushed Carrie in the stroller with my other arm while Catherine dutifully walked alongside me to the car. Later at bath time, I reminded her that next time she would not be allowed to play in the ball pit. Now, it might be unrealistic to expect a two-year-old to remember a long-term consequence. So I made a point of taking them all back to the balls within the next couple of days, and Joanne sat on my lap and watched Catherine play in the balls by herself. After that, she came out when asked, although I did have to remind her at times what would happen if she didn't. But she knew that I would do what I said. A couple of times that backfired. One time she was resisting putting her coat on to go pick up Catherine at school, and we had to be on time. Carrie was a baby. And I said to her, if you don't put your coat on, I'm going to have to leave you with Mrs. Miller two doors down, which I never did, had no intention of doing. But she called my bluff. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. She said, fine, I'll stay with Mrs. Miller. And I'm like, uh, well, Mrs. Miller might not be home. And so I said, I'm not going to ask Mrs. Miller. You're going to have to go ask Mrs. Miller. So she walked two doors down and I got Carrie in the car and I parked the car in front of Mrs. Miller's house and I saw her knock on the door and I'm thinking, please don't be home. Please don't answer the door. Please don't answer the door. But Mrs. Miller answered the door and I'm, oh God, I was mortified. I looked up and Mrs. Miller was talking to Joanne, looking down at her and Joanne was pointing toward the car and Mrs. Miller kind of looked at me concerned and I, I got out of the car and went over to her and she said, I'm sorry, Julie. I I have somewhere to go. I can't look after Joanne. And Joanne accepted that because Mrs. Miller had said, well, I can't, Joanne. So we left. But I had to explain to Mrs. Miller later that that was a bluff. And Joanne called me on the bluff. And so I learned never to bluff again because they will call you on the bluff and they need to trust that you mean what you say. But I also later learned that the firm consistency was only part of the tantrum-taming tactic. One day, the children and I were in a small clothing store. It wasn't long after the ball incident. I was the only customer, and Joanne was ducking behind some of the clothing racks. It was a small store, so she was safe, but she kept doing it after I told her to stay beside me. She knew she was supposed to be holding my hand, Catherine's hand, the stroller, or if my hands were full, they could walk with a hand in my back pocket. But when they were very small, I sometimes would sit them in front of me on the counter while I finished a transaction. The bottom line was, they all knew they had to be touching me, at least in a chain, at all times in public. The sales lady said, she's not getting enough attention. I felt stung. No, no. I said, she gets plenty of attention. Trust me, the lady continued. I have four. This one is not getting enough attention. She's a middle child and you're busy with the baby. Instead of just being offended, I thought about what she said. Joanne was not a demanding little kid. She didn't demand my attention, so I assumed she didn't need any more than she was already getting. She would even get off my lap saying, Carrie needs you. Maybe this woman had a point. So after that, I made a point of giving Joanne extra attention, even if she didn't ask for it. I didn't always let her get off my lap for Carrie. I made a point of playing with her more. And the tantrums stopped. So maybe the reason Violet didn't have tantrums was because Catherine practiced attachment parenting And Violet never felt like she had to act out to get attention. There could be something to that. I remember one time when Joanne really wanted something at a store, and I wouldn't buy it for her. And the tears welled up, and she looked at me with her big, sad blue eyes. And I said to her, Joanne, do I buy things because you're crying? No, she said, but I can't help it. Fair enough. But that's not a tantrum. I'm sure you have felt frustrated or sad and you're not sure why. And I think little ones must sometimes feel that way and they don't have the emotional maturity to identify it 
or do something constructive with it. So they sometimes kick off. And I think that's different from a tantrum. But if it's happening all the time, maybe think about, are they getting enough attention? Are they getting enough active play? Are they feeling well? Or maybe they do also just need to learn that that isn't going to get them anything. And Joanne now is a teacher and a wonderful teacher. I was thinking I should call Joanne and ask her opinion, but I do know she's only taught, I think, very little kids for a couple of years. She bounces around different grades. She's teaching high school now, actually. I'm going to call my sister-in-law, Heather. She has been a JKSK teacher, and that is age four, sometimes three, if you're a December baby, and five-year-olds, four- and five-year-olds. She'll have some insight into what it's like to be a teacher because I would think it must be a bit challenging for a kid to not really know how to behave. And then you send them to school hoping they'll outgrow it. I don't know. It must be difficult for the teachers, I would think, if your child is behaving this way. So I'm going to ask Heather. I have to Zoom call Heather because otherwise I'm not going to be able to get her. She's a very busy teacher, hockey mom, busy woman. Hi, Heather. Thanks. Hi, Thank you so much for talking to me about this. I really, really value your opinion. And I know, how long have you taught JK and SK? Oh, geez. I think this is my 24th year. Oh. So I know. It's hard to believe because I'm only 36. Mm-hmm. 24 of those years have been teaching kindergarten. Wow. <laughs> Well, you have a lot of experience with little kids, but one of the things I I was just talking about was tantrums, behavioral boundaries, setting expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always, when I see a kid who's maybe three or four, and I know that they're going to kick off occasionally, they don't have the emotional maturity to necessarily always control themselves. That's fine. But these children who constantly scream and yell and have a tantrum to get their own way, I feel like they should learn not to do that. But I wanted to ask you because um, maybe I'm too tough on kids and I'm, I'm, well, I could be inhibiting their emotional and social development. Do you know what Catherine told me? She said that her therapist, Pam, told her that Going through a tantrum phase is actually a necessary part of a child's psychological development. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. I I actually agree with that because even the sweetest children have had tantrums in my class and my own children all went through different phases of it. I remember hearing Catherine say that Violet never had tantrums and I was quite jealous of her. Now, (laughs) our oldest had, I can count on one hand how many she had. The middle, still counting. (laughs) Well, they're all different too. They're all different and the youngest one hand as well. So sometimes it's not always the parenting. Sometimes it's just the development of the child and the way they are. I would say, though, that most children, unless there is an emotional disorder or, you know, some sort of diagnosis attached to them, 
most children are able to realize that the teacher's expectations are different than their parents' expectations. So I know that none of my kids ever had a tantrum at school. And the tantrums that I have witnessed at school are either, you know, there's a diagnosis attached to that child where they're trying to work through some pretty big emotions, or they may have a tantrum a few times and realize that it doesn't fly with the teacher the way it might at home. Most kids don't have the comfort level at school that they do at home anyway. So most kids, I would say, save it up until they get home. But for the most part, when I have had to deal with some tantrums, I always feel really sad for the child because there's some really, really big emotions there in a little body and they just aren't knowing how to express themselves properly. And I do see more tantrums in kids who have speech problems where they're not understood and they're getting frustrated because you can't always understand what they're saying. The masks right now make it worse. And there are a handful of kids in my class that I wish could go without the masks because I think their life would be a lot easier. Unfortunately, we're not in a place where we can do that yet. but. I look forward to that day for those kids because they have a hard time communicating with their classmates. And sometimes all those little things add up and something that we might consider very small might happen and they explode. I always feel very sorry for those kids because they just can't express themselves properly. So then it comes out in anger or frustration But yes, I definitely have seen many tantrums. I just want to touch on what you said about how you always wonder, am I too hard on kids? I do think that when it's your own child or, you know, a niece or a nephew, you have a different set of expectations than you do as a teacher. As a teacher, I have very high expectations of my kids in my class, but I am able to lower them to meet them where they're at a lot easier than I am with my own children at home, which Uh is something that I need to work on as well, because I think that I'm hard on my own children at home. I am far harder on them than I am on my students at school. Hmm. My, My kids at home often tell me that I use up all my patience for my kids at school. Oh, well. Yeah, I can understand that though, Heather. Exactly. But it's not even that that's fully true. It's just that it's different expectations. Yeah. As well as you may know children at school, you don't know them as intimately as you know your own. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what your own children are capable of. And I think there are some children who have tantrums to the point where they're punching and kicking and biting. And I really think anything that's destructive like that, the parents should try. I've heard parents say, oh, well, well, I'll just send them to school and they'll outgrow it. And maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. And maybe I shouldn't worry about it so much if a kid is kicking off all the time. Maybe they just will outgrow it. 
I feel it makes for a more peaceful home life if they're not doing that all the time, but... Exactly. And I think that they're also not doing their child any favors by allowing that to happen or by saying, oh, they'll eventually outgrow it. I do really think that tantrums are normal. So I think the main thing is how you react. So if you're just going to shrug your shoulders and say, well, I give up, you know, for myself as a teacher, I would never say, well, I give up because that child then is lacking in social skills. And if you don't have social skills, you are not going to be successful in life. You have to be able to learn to get along with people. And most importantly, you need to have friends and you need to learn how to make friends Mm -hmm. and keep friends. And that's one of the biggest things that the kindergarten program focuses on So if you are reacting by biting someone or kicking someone, you learn pretty quickly that your friends don't like that. Yeah. So like I said, unless there's a diagnosis attached to that child, I feel like I'm pretty hard on a child who is doing it just to have a tantrum. They learn very quickly that, nope, this isn't going to work here at school. And that's good. You have to help them develop those social skills because if the other kids are staring at them while they're acting like that, the other kids start to veer away from them. And then that's just damaging that poor child. Yeah. Like one of my sayings is, if you love your child, don't raise them to be an asshole. (laughs) I've heard you say that. Yeah. It's one of my sayings. (laughs) And, And it is true. You have to set boundaries. And, you know, I have had lots of parents ask me for advice. And I always say, I'm still trying to figure out my own children. So, you know, what you do in your house, I think the main thing is consistency. You have to let them know that they can't behave that way. I do understand that sometimes in a busy household, it becomes very frustrating, just like in a busy classroom. But I do think consistency is key. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things I blather on about. But I'm just somebody's mom. So I'm glad to hear it. Yes. And And I wanted to hear what someone who works with young children every day thinks. I wanted your perspective. So I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you talking to me because I do want to say that I think I have the best job in the entire world. And I have said to you before that I wish that you had been a teacher or a kindergarten teacher because I think that you would make a fabulous teacher. Well, maybe in another life, I'll give that a shot. And as I've said to you many times before, I know that there are teachers, and you're one of them, and my Joanne is one of them, who a lot of people will look back and go, you know what, that teacher made a big difference to me in my life. It's a very important job. And I thank you for doing it. Thank you, Jubes. I do love it. You know what, the more challenging a job is, the more rewarding it is in the end. Thank you, Heather. Have a good night. Have fun going to hockey games. I know you're very busy as a hockey mom. Hockey mom is fun, though. Yep.
Oh, the good old hockey game. It's the good old hockey game you can name. (laughs) That's right. And the best game you can name. Love you. Take care. Talk soon. Love you too, Jube. Okay, I said I got some emails. I think I have time for one. Oh, this is called Dog. Hmm. Dear Jules, I loved your first podcast because I like listening to your voice and your stories. Oh, that's so kind. I actually listened to your audiobook, Free as a Bird, and it was amazing. I just started listening to another one of your audiobooks, too. I am a 10-year-old girl who desperately wants a dog, but my parents won't let me have a dog. Ooh, well, you're not Catherine's little girl. I have done all the typical things that I should do to prove that I am able to take care of a dog. I have written persuasive letters to my parents. I have begged and pleaded, and I have tried to prove I'm responsible. I have several dog-walking jobs, and I have never been late or complained about going. My mom or dad or my cousin come with me to walk the dogs, and I'm always the poo picker-upper. I never ask anyone else to do it for me. Do you have any advice on what more I can do, or do I just need to wait until I have a house of my own? Oh, well, first of all, I don't think a lot of 10-year-olds would be that dedicated. I'm impressed. I don't know what else you can do. I think you're already doing everything right, but I also don't know the reasons that your parents don't want to get a dog. A dog is a huge responsibility. So yes, there's the walking and the poo picking up, but sometimes they do it in the house when it's your dog. There's the shedding. There's also the cost, not just of buying the dog, but all the shots and the vet bills and the food. And the other challenge with a dog is if you are going to school and maybe you go to an after-school program and maybe your parents are both out of the house at work and then you come home and have a quick dinner and rush off to activities, it can be really lonely for a dog. And if a dog doesn't get enough attention they will sometimes act out. So there are a whole lot of reasons that your parents might not be willing to get a dog, even though you are clearly one of the most responsible 10-year-olds I've ever heard of. So I think all you can do is keep doing what you're doing. Every birthday and Christmas, there's no harm in asking again because they can always say no, and you sound like a person who's willing to accept no for an answer without causing problems. I'm glad you're not having tantrums at age 10. Maybe you will have to wait until you have your own place. But the nice thing is, you've got your dog walking job, so you get to enjoy the dogs part-time without 100% of the responsibility. You kind of actually have the best of both worlds right now. You say you have several dog walking jobs. You have the pleasure of multiple dogs. It's like you get to have fun with more than one dog. If you got your own dog, you might not have time for those other dogs. But the longer you demonstrate that kind of responsibility, the more likely your parents are to eventually get one. Thank you so much for listening. If you have anything to tell me or ask, please email me at jewels, J-E-W-E-L-S, says at gmail.com.
and have a wonderful week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.